Max Kaiser. This is the Kaiser Report. You know, interestingly enough, we live in an age when the plumbing of banking is becoming more transparent. People are now aware of how actually these big banks work and central banks. And it's quite fascinating, actually, because it's the root of all fake news comes from fake money. If you want to get rid of fake news, you'd have to get rid of fake money. More on that later. Stacey. Actually, you said that many times over the past few years, and I did see that Ron Paul recently tweeted something along that line, that it was the fake money from the Fed that is creating fake news and fake asset prices and things like that. But in terms of what's happening right now, one thing that you and I always talk about in Kaiser Report since we began over 10 years ago now is we talk about gold and we talk about Bitcoin. And a lot of people say, oh, you can't eat Bitcoin and you can't eat gold. And, and there's an argument against it. But here we're going to look at some headlines regarding the individual economic sovereignty that is granted to you if you own your own wealth, if you own your own assets and they're real assets because not your settlements layer, not your money. And this is responding to a Wall Street Journal scoop. Uh, U.S. officials warned Iraq that it risks losing access to its account at the New York Fed where international oil sale revenue is kept if it moves to expel U.S. troops. So Iraq is theoretically an independent sovereign nation, and they should be able to invite uh, other militaries in to help them fight somebody or whatever, and they should be able to expel foreign military troops should they wish them not to be there. Well, the U.S. is saying, should you choose to expel our military bases, we will seize your assets at the New York Fed. Yeah, I mean, this is what uh, is fascinating, and people are starting to see really how the world works and how this American empire works and how the empire of debt, as some have called it, works. So it all clears through the New York Fed. And so um, these countries in the Middle East can uh, throw a hissy fit and throw themselves onto the ground and cry and scream, and uh, they can do all kinds of stuff. But it doesn't really matter because everything goes through the New York Fed. And remember, the 2008 crisis was resolved through the New York Fed when Timothy Geithner was uh, in charge. And uh, every time there's a crisis anywhere in the world, pretty much it's all resolved through the New York Fed. The New York Fed has the ability to censor. If you want to, they want to cut you off from the global economy, they can do so at the flick of a switch because since the 1940s, all commodities are settled in dollars. Ever, ever since the 1970s and the emergence of the petrodollar, everything, all oil, all energy is settled in U.S. dollars. All commodities are priced in dollars and settled in dollars. And that all happens at the New York Fed. And everyone around New York gets a lot of money because they are in proximity to the New York Fed. And um, uh, that's the way the world works. Of course, the New York Fed is the one in charge of the repo interventions at the moment. They do say now that it's going to last through the tax season because they have another new excuse. It was supposed to last for 24 hours and then 48 hours and then 72 hours, then a few weeks and then a few months. And now it's going to last until at least uh, April, they say. And we also covered back in May, remember, Representative Brad Sherman of California. He's a congressman from out there. He said about Bitcoin that Bitcoin, we must stop it now because what they're trying to do is replace the New York Fed for exactly. Exactly this sort of thing is what he was forecasting is that we need to control the settlements layer and the U.S. dollar is a settlements layer when people say, oh, you know, the, um, you know, oil is priced in euros and that's a threat to the dollar. That's not the threat. The threat is the settlements layer. So all trade for oil has to settle through the New York Fed. And this is how they're controlling that all your you can't exist. You have no sovereign rights unless you 
cut us in as the middleman. We're the middleman. You have to. We have to approve of everything. So that is why we talk about Bitcoin, and this is a, an exact lesson in what we were talking about for the last ten years. Right. This is why we talk about Bitcoin exactly because it gives countries and individuals a way to opt out of the censorship that happens on the settlement layer at places like the New York Fed and. Uh, you know, personally, I have no idea why these countries who are being censored by the New York Fed and who are being subjected to the empire of debt, otherwise known as the United States of America, don't simply cross over and switch to Bitcoin and achieve sovereignty. I'm sure they have some sort of plan. They take a while. They don't move as fast as an individual can. And that's why the individual is actually at a uniquely positioned place at the moment. They can move faster than nation states can or central banks and governments can. So you can get ahead of this, this the, the thing we see coming. Because remember, again, you talk about censorship. Uh, you know, there are all these laws and stuff like that introduced. And it's always about the bad guy. We're just, you know, these, um, you know, the Patriot Act is just to stop bad guys like bin Laden, who does it end up like there's been almost zero application to bad guys like bin Laden and who gets caught in the net? All these good guys like Aaron Swartz, for example, he gets caught by all these bad laws to, that were meant to, for bad guys. But it ends up like Aaron Swartz, who uh, was, you know, driven to suicide a few years ago, just passed his the anniversary of his suicide just passed. And look him up and you'll see that here. You know, when Brad Sherman said last year when he warned in May that Bitcoin was after like basically replacing the New York Fed, he said, we don't want Iran, our enemies to use this. But here they're saying we're going to cut Iraq where we occupy the nation. We're supposedly some sort of ally, at least their um, occupier. Like, you know, there's a certain international obligations to if you're occupying a nation. But here they're saying we're going to cut them off from it. Right. So I believe what, the, what Trump said was that the New York Fed has something like $30 billion. I think it's $3 billion in cash Three at billion. the moment. Okay. Uh, they, and he said they would owe him $30 billion in total if they All right, left. they've got $3 billion in cash parked there. Yeah. And he says, you owe us $30 billion. Yeah. And so he's, a, he's simply going to cut them off and take that $3 billion, seize the $3 billion, and, and slap him with an in, invoice for $30 billion, right? As if he's, like, developing a casino in Atlantic City, and he gets all the contractors to build it and says, I'm, I'm not going to pay you. And then gets Roy Cohn, a lawyer of his at the time, to hire a leg breaker like Ray Donovan to go straighten things out, right? I mean, that's the way the world works at the moment. And the New York Fed is his little private kitty. It's right downtown from where he has his big office. Well, and it's beyond that because it's like he built that casino in your backyard, land that you own, and you're like, wait, who told you you could build a, a casino on my land? He's like, give me $30 billion for it. And you're like, wait, I, you, no, you give me $30 billion. This, this should be the way it works. Now you're talking about Iraq. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. right. He, so claims... he just pulls a number out of thin air that this is what you owe us. Right, as any self-respecting... New York developer would do. <laughs> yeah, somebody in Times Square would do that to you. They shake you down. Here's another story. I found this interesting because it was from The Guardian. Simon Jenkins wrote this. And it's really um, kind of fascinating because it's more mainstream media. So this is what he's looking at, what is happening in Iraq and Iran and all this conflict going on. And he says Donald Trump's rant against Iran is the howl of a dying empire. All empires outstay their declared purpose, let alone their welcome. All end messily. The operative word is 
all, be they Roman, Napoleonic, British, or Soviet, all are vanquished not by superior power but by self-delusion and geography. The British Empire had neither the right nor the need to invade far-flung parts of Asia and Africa. It was defeated by them. The U.S. has claimed the right to intervene in theaters as diverse as South America, the Far East, East Africa, and a portfolio of Muslim states. Justification varies from retaliation and deterrence to self-defense and the instilling of democracy. Again, this is something that you and I have talked about for 10 years. We're saying it's not just uniquely American. It's happened to every empire before, and that's, we're just saying history usually repeats, you know, in a, in, they have their own sort of rhythm going on as they deplete, deplete their uh, power via hubris. But they all get this point. They all get this thing of like, you can't use the New York Fed. We're going to take your money. We're going to cut you off from SWIFT. Germany, you can't do that. Germany, you know, you might be an economic powerhouse, but, you know, listen to us. What we say goes. You know, they all end up like that. It's not uniquely, you know, anti-American or just like it wouldn't have been anti-Napoleonic or anti-Roman or anti-British or anti-Soviet. It was like, this is just the inevitability of history. It goes, happens every single time for the exact same reason. Now, I get what Simon Jenkins is saying there in terms of the history of empires and they never survive and they tend to crumble from within. And I understand that. The difference with the American empire of the 21st century is that it's constructed entirely out of digits, out of uh, algorithms, out of debt creation, out of money printing. And the cost of increasing uh, the debt, indebtedness to our vassal states, which uh, would be every single country that's not America, is zero, right? And imagine if you uh, were in the prison business and the cost of building the prisons is zero. I mean, you could build prisons for everyone in the world because your cost is zero. America's built a prison called the world, uh, and it's the prison, it's the, it runs the prison, and the cost of building that prison is zero because it's all based on everyone in the world is still willing to accept dollars, trade in dollars, clear through the New York Fed, and worship the U.S. dollar. Wherever you go, you'll find ATMs in countries where it's the local currency and dollars, right? Dollar is God. No matter what religion you say you are around the world, the fact is you pray to the U.S. dollar every day. Every single empire has also looked like uniquely this time is different. This time they're all so powerful. Nobody could stop Rome. Nobody could stop you know, Napoleon. Every, everyone seems like that until they don't suddenly. It's usually suddenly. And then all the looking back, it's like all the signs were there. And then I want to look at part of what you're saying here in this interesting chart. The divergence of S&P 500 and U.S. nominal GDP began in the age of Alan Greenspan any coincidence. There used to be a relationship between the fundamentals of an economy, i.e. the GDP growth, your actual production of goods and services, your wealth creation, and the stock market. Since Greenspan and the intervention by the Fed, the activist Fed who came in and the Greenspan put that you would never ever lose money if you just uh, continue to believe in the S&P 500 because the Fed would have your back, well, you see the divergence really take off that, you know, nominal GDP has just been the same, like slowly rising, just like gold over the past few decades since uh, Alan Greenspan. But the S&P 500 has taken off, doesn't care about uh, earnings or anything like that. No, because the GDP is based on consumption and tied to wages and earnings and economic activity and manufacturing and things like that are tangible. The S&P is based entirely on the ability to add zeros to your earnings statements based on the money that's being given to you by your king, God, the Federal Reserve Bank. 
and and so there is no connection and there is no need as i've said before the three trillion dollars or so that are collected every year by america's internal revenue service to fund the budget is is not needed whatsoever uh they can simply print all the money they need it's it's a token amount uh, compared to the amount of they print 16 trillion and they collect three trillion in taxes it's a nom it's a it's a it's not it's a rounding error and nobody needs that money well these two are re required like the taxes make it feel real so if you didn't have to pay taxes it would be like it's all a, a monopoly game but it feels real especially if you might face 10, 20 years in prison for not giving this money. They must think it's really important and really real. It's like gold that, that I think creates the, helps them sustain this. The money is not go, doesn't go toward increasing the wealth of the nation. It goes toward increasing the incarceration of the nation. That's pretty much what taxes are for. As you said for. in the beginning, you talked about the world is our prison. Well, uh, um, I, I've done it again. Well, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, much more coming your way. Welcome back to the Kaiser Report. I'm Max Kaiser. Time now to turn to Egon von Greyerts of GoldSwitzerland.com. Egon, welcome back. Thank you, Max. And uh, a bit of a late Happy New Year to you. You write on your website a little piece called We Just Left the 2010s, the Decade of Fantasy, as you call it. What is, what is this all about, the Decade of Fantasy, and what's coming up in the next decade? The Decade of Fantasy was a, dec was a decade that uh, the world managed to um, artificially, or the world's central banks, to artificially um, let the patient survive for another 10 years, which was absolutely a lot longer than I ever expected was possible. But nevertheless, by, by printing fake money uh, and by charging zero or negative rates for it, uh, they fooled the world for, for another almost 10 years. Um, well, it actually was 10 years. Um, and now, uh, therefore, we are at the peak, peak of bubbles. The, the, we are at the, the uber bubbles. Um, and um, I think the, the 20s will not take until 29 like it did in the 1900s until this uh, whole system collapses i think it will happen a lot sooner and it could it will is likely to start this this year and it could start anytime now the risk is at a maximum um things don't always turn when you expect to but it could happen it could happen this week or next week or it might take a bit longer um uh, but i don't i don't see um, these bubbles lasting for much longer. This has been the story for a number of years. As you point out, we've been talking about this for 10 years, that on a valuation basis, on a price earnings base, basis, on historical basis, markets are overvalued. Certainly the bond market's in a 300-year bubble in the United Kingdom. It's in a 240-year high in the United States or bubble in the United States. And yet, uh, there doesn't seem to be any end to this. Now, during the uh, 10 years that you just talked about there, the Federal Reserve Bank in the U.S. alone printed over $16 trillion to keep these zombie banks and zombie corporations alive. Remember, a lot of these corporations report no earnings at all. Uh, they're only kept alive through stock buybacks and cash infusions from the central bank. But my question, Egon, is... It, I don't I don't see that ending anytime soon because the central banks could very easily buy another 15 to 20 trillion dollars worth of bad assets. They all work together. The, all the major central banks work together. They don't there's no um, 
sense of competition in the world like David Ricardo talked about uh, in, in during the uh, first years of uh, neoclassic economics, it's all collusion. They're all buying horrible junk uh, and they're all working together and they have printing presses. So why would this end anytime soon, Egon? Things don't always end when you expect them to. And as, I, as we just said, uh, this bubble has been going on for 10 years. You should have collapsed 2009 at the latest or, or, or seven even. It, it didn't. Um, and, but you know, the, the theory is very simple. If you, if you, from 2006, when the uh, crisis started, uh, world global debt was um, 125 trillion. Since then, um, another well, 140 trillion has been printed. So we are uh, around 260, 265 trillion now. And remember, all of that is just air. It's bubbles. It's nothing to do with real money. And that money has been invested into mainly the stock market. It's not gone into the real economy. So they manufactured fake money, and that has created fake wealth. Now, how long do you think the world can continue to live on just thin air or, or on fake money and fake assets? Uh, I think we have now reached a point when the sheer weight of the debt will actually mean that this system will collapse in, in the next, uh, well, it could be this year, or, or it could obviously will take a few years, but as a start will be this year. Now, well, you can't fundamentally argue that's going to happen now. Technically, markets now and the stock market looks extremely valuable. I just put out a piece yesterday how, how you know you are looking at a massive negative divergence on, on the new highs in, in the Dow and the S&P, for example. New highs in the stock markets is not confirmed by momentum indicators. Now, that doesn't mean that it will turn immediately, but that means that the market now is at a very, very high level of risk, and therefore that it is likely to, to turn sometime in the near-term future. I don't think that central banks can continue the game of fake money and fake assets. You know, let's remember that, as I said, they have printed 140 trillion roughly in the last, uh, in the last uh, well, since 13 years, uh, but that and that has created the same amount of fake assets. When I made a calculation in one of my articles to say that 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 extra uh, money that they have printed, which which is since 19 um, sorry since 2006, the extra money of about um, 70 or or let's say yeah near 70 trillion, um, that equals two years of annual global output uh, of uh, actually every everybody in the world the three million there are three million uh, workers in the world today or supposed to be three three billion workers in the world today and their output over two years equals the money printing that we have seen since 2006 so so the world has just created two years of output uh, by printing money and that's why it i'm saying that is not sustainable that doesn't mean that you know, fundamentally they will collapse today or tomorrow, but technically, in my view, Marcus looks extremely vulnerable uh, and on the timing uh, um, cycles, et cetera, that I look at, uh, we could have a, 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 a top in the market at any time now and then starting a downturn. Whether the downturn will be slow initially or whether it will start with a crash, it doesn't matter. Risk is at a maximum. And from our point of view, our company, we look at risk. We don't look at you know, the final 
final rise in the market and trying to catch that, we look at protecting the downside because the upside is maybe a few percent, the downside is 95% in my view. Uh, I think that go, you know, if we measure the stock market against real money, uh, which is um, gold, of course, uh, I think that we are going to see the Dow, for example, or the S&P fall around 95% at least against gold. I mean, that's not, that would only take it down to the level of one, uh, i.e. The, the Dow equals, one Dow equals one gold, just like it was in, in or one ounce of gold, just like it was in 1980 when gold was 850 and the Dow was 850. That was the ratio one to one also of the, of the Dow gold ratio. I think we're going to go down at least to one again. And I think we we'll probably go below one, but going down just to one would mean a fall of 95% of the Dow against real money gold. And I think that's going to happen. Now, I can't say exactly how and when, but I think the risk is there today. And I think my, uh, you know, people should be protected today. It's not as if gold investors are suffering uh, from this. They, I think gold investors are looking at this bubble really more out of curiosity because uh, gold, in fact, since the year 2000 has outperformed stocks. Gold, in fact, against every major currency in the world is making new all-time highs, except the U.S. dollar. So gold investors are doing great. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, so I think the, it's more of a curiosity here because um, the stock market bubble fueled by all the money printing is really a, a once in a... It, it, no one's ever seen this before ever in the history of the world. Uh, has there been so much injection of Erzat's fake fiat money to support um, really companies that don't make any profits? Uh, the companies that are going public don't make any profits, uh, and they have no hope of ever making profits. A lot of the listed companies, 60% of the listed companies are not making appreciable profits, right? So this is a profitless uh, prosperity fed by all this money printing. You have the Nasdaq up 40% last year, but it could be, you know, on the verge of one of these uh, situations like 1999, where you do see a final uh, blow off on the Nasdaq, another 85% jump in the Nasdaq uh, would be in keeping with the recent manias. Uh, Egon, your thoughts on that? But as we know, market can extend further than, than, than um, we ever think is possible. But you know, you have to remember, Max, that the Nasdaq is up seven times since 2009, seven times. This is a bubble now, which is equal to the 2000 uh, bubble. I did forecast at the time, uh, you know, that 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 crash there, uh, and we got out of situations uh, in e-commerce uh, just before that uh, crash. And I think I can't say it's going to happen tomorrow. Of course I can't, but I can say that the risk is at a level which is totally unacceptable and should be unacceptable for anyone who's uh, now investing. But of course most people will hang on just like they did in 2000 to 2002 when the Nasdaq fell 90 over 90 percent. Uh, so so uh, you know, people who now hang on. I think they're going to lose the, the biggest part of their fortune, or the, uh, or at least the, the the fortune or the wealth that they have in the stock market. So I'm not, you know, ca catching that last bit. You know, I remember every expert, uh, everyone in the world, whether they were, uh, you know, a petrol station or gas station attendant, or whether they were a hairdresser, or whether they were, you know, a wealthy person, whatever. Everyone was an expert on the Nasdaq in 1999, and everybody jumped on the bandwagon the last year. And then they lost it all, and there wasn't an expert to be found in 2001 or two when the market had crashed. 
And I think it's not just, it, sure it can happen, I don't think it's worth waiting for it. I think we are, we, it's imminent, uh, but I might be wrong on it, but I don't care if it happens today or, or this week or next week or, or if it happens in six months' time. The risk is there. And as you said, you know, the Dow Gold, for example, I mean, I looked at the quarterly chart yesterday, and the Dow Gold on the quarterly basis has now turned down on, on the, what is called MACD, which is a, a trending indicator. You know, that's the, that turn down is the first time in nine years that it's turned down. It's been going up since, since 2010, and now it's turned down. That is a very strong sign that the stock markets now are, in real terms, i.e. against gold, going to turn down. To see that turn, to me, is very significant. So I think we are there, or almost there, and I don't really care if it goes up a bit further, because I certainly wouldn't recommend anyone to ride that. But I know that all investors that are in the markets today, they're going to think that the Fed, as you just mentioned before, they're going to, uh, Fed and all the other central banks are going to continue to pump in money. But I think the market will soon realize that this money, you know, this worthless money, fake money that they printed, is just, uh, it's just creating fake assets. And therefore, the money is fake and the assets are fake. And that's what the world is going to be experiencing in the next few years, that all of that fake money all of those fake values are just going to disappear out of the market. Uh, it will be sad for a lot of investors, and there'll be a massive wealth destruction. I'm not a pessimist. I'm just reading risk, and I'm just reading the markets, and it's inevitable that this will happen, in my view. Well, this moving average of the uh, MACD is fascinating. I think we should talk about that in the next segment. If you can stay with us, we'll do another segment, and that's going to do it for this edition of Kaiser Report with me, Max Kaiser and Stacey Herbert. I'd like to thank our guest, Egon von Greyer. It's of GoldSwitzerland.com. If you want to reach us on Twitter, it's Kaiser Report. Until next time, bye, y'all.